Hello, and welcome to the Harrogate Food Show with me, Ben Wright from Reading Park Hotel. Today I'm joined by two well-renowned Yorkshire-born consultant chefs with Michelin-style experience, Matthew Benson-Smith and John Benson-Smith. They're on the show to give you some guilt-free lunchtime inspiration. Hi, my name's John Benson-Smith. My background includes being the former judge on BBC MasterChef, 20 years as consultant chef to Manchester City Football Club, and I'm the original flavour designer to Walker Sensation Crisps. Spent about 40 or 40 years, or is it 200 years, working in all sorts of places, restaurants including uh, Spain, Italy, Germany, France, Middle East, and Yorkshire. So, Thank you very me. much for coming on. I mean, obviously Thank Yorkshire you. is the most important, because uh, this is the Harrogate Food Show. That's why I wanted to bring you on, Yes, because it's the uh, best place for food. Now. I'm going to actually start you with a little lunchtime inspired question. And that's if there's any kind of British or, you know, French, slightly French inspired uh, lunchtime salads that you like to do that aren't, you don't take too long and just quick. Something that isn't too complicated that people can do at home. Okay. Well, to me, you mentioned the word France. Um, feels to me like goat's cheese. Definitely. Um, leaves, dribble of honey. Some nice walnuts, real classical. But you need the sunshine. So I'm not always sure about Yorkshire. But yeah, you want you see that great combination. Make sure your goat cheese is a little bit room temperature. It's not too cold. And your leaves need to be nice and fresh. And your honey at the last second. And some sprinkling of walnuts. And obviously the smiles and something to drink with it. So that's my first kind of French Frenchness, if I can call it that. The second one, which I'm going to take liberty I'm going to go for a bit of a burrata, okay? Um, what's really important with the burrata is to get to room temperature, make sure it's not too wet. Too, too wet. And with the burrata, again, I'm going to serve this with some fresh figs and honey and walnuts. So it's a really nice, simple dish. And that particular dish we serve in one of the restaurants that I opened uh, in Saudi Arabia this year and in Kuwait last year. So... Very nice, simple combination. You can imagine burrata's at room temperature. It's been out of the fridge for half an hour. I get my leaves ready, my plate. It's all. It's an assembly of tastes, if that makes sense. Now, the second one you mentioned to me was British, did you? Yeah, yeah you did. So, well, this isn't exactly British. I'm not sure where it is, but this dish I've been cooking, wow, 25 years plus. So... Um, they always say that the very best chefs. I'm not. In, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not saying I'm included with that. They only can, are capable of creating four, four or five dishes. So this particular dish I created probably 25 years ago, and it's called the Three Bears. And I know you're all thinking, what is he on about? So the Three Bears is about little flavour, medium flavour. And big flavour. So let me tell you about that. The smallest flavour on the plate will be a nice yoghurt with some chives and a bit of olive oil dribbled into it. So we splash the plate, do some blobs of yoghurt with chives and olive oil. The second flavour, which is the medium flavour, we're going to get a nice chunk of smoked salmon, which we're going to wipe a little bit of oil. We're going to get a non-stick pan with a thick bottom, and we're going to sear 
the piece of smoked salmon, chuck it in the oven for about six minutes. And while that's happening, I'm going to boil red wine vinegar and sugar. And I'm going to throw in there some nice rings of sliced red onion. So I'm going to get the vinegar nice and hot, add the sugar, chuck in the onions and leave it for about a minute. Get my smoked salmon piece out of the oven, stick it on top of my yogurt, and then I'm going to take my hot onions that are nice and pink, translucent, that are sweet and sour, and put them on top. So if you imagine sticking on a spoon or a fork, sweet and sour flavour, the smoke flavour, and the yogurt flavour, it is amazing. So that's my my own dish that I'm going to say is, yeah, probably 25, 30 years old. So those are my salads. I've actually Goat seen that on Instagram. I've seen you, you do have. it on Instagram. <laughs> um, I was I was going to ask you about it if you didn't mention it, but because um, I know it's oh, one right. of your signature dishes, but I think it it looks as a chef I can see it looks chefy, and if you want to impress someone, cook that dish because it make if you're not a chef and you cook that dish, you can look like you know exactly what you're doing basically. Yeah, that's probably well. I think you've got to. I think if you create dishes that are far too complicated that aren't reasonably cupboard-friendly, yes, people just, they don't go there. And what you want to do is to give your secrets that you've amassed over the hundreds of years and allow people to replicate that and think, i tell you what, that sounded bizarre. What a weird title, but it actually eats very, very well. So you kind of learn to make things that people can replicate. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's all about kind of letting one piece of protein shine and things like that and just treating it properly and not adorning it with, you know, too much truffle and all these too expensive ingredients. You just keep it simple and, you know, it's a really elegant dish. Well, that, that dish I've done for two people or 900. <laughs> so it's a really, it's, it's, it's a really simple dish. It's yogurt ready with the chives, sweet and sour onions, smoked salmon in the oven, bang, 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 let's go. Otherwise, the kitchen's a mess. There's desolation everywhere. There's mess. There's washing up for three weeks. You want something where the kitchen's clean, it's tidy, it's easy, it's effective, and it can actually enjoy eating your food, which I think is really important. Exactly. Right. I'm going to switch to sandwich fillings and sandwich toppings, and I'm gonna actually going to reference back to the goat's cheese because I've seen on your Instagram you've done a little uh, kind of goat's cheese open-top sandwich, like a croute. I just want to talk about that because I thought that was quite interesting. Is there any ways you can kind of adorn that and add more to it or any kind of side salads or things you can add with it? Yeah, um, I think the one you're referring to is called BN86JA. That is the postcode of a very famous um, goat cheese, which I used to have on the menu a long time ago, which was really successful. So I decided to um name the dish after the postcode again everybody says what on this b and eight six j but it, it was it's called golden cross and it's from sussex and it's rolled in ash it's a wonderful cheese and i used to serve this with lentils braised lentils and bits of bacon and a bit of madeira um you know which is a very very nice dish but um i'm i'm a real cheese fan um, and of course, in this country, we've got some really great cheese and some, some fantastic regional cheeses. But to answer your question about the sandwiches, you asked me for one and I've gone for three. So perfect. Corned beef. 
a really nice local apple, thinly sliced, with a nice rustic coleslaw. And please don't use the ones in the plastic tubs from our friends at the supermarket. We love the supermarkets, but you want to kind of grate it and, you know, get your cabbage and whatever and blob a bit of mayonnaise in at the end. So chill the hell out of your corned beef. Slice it nice and thinly. Obviously, you need some great bread. You want some slices of apple, um, a nice coleslaw, some black pepper, and some what I call crispy salt, you know, sea salt or some rugged kind of salt. And then a bit too much butter when no one's looking, but it's essential to use a great bread. Okay. And you've got to kind of put too much filling in and squash it down and kind of, you know, and if you're in York, if you're in London, you can take the crusts off. But if you're in Yorkshire, you have to eat your crusts. That's essential. <laughs> so that's my first one. The second one, I'm going to go for halloumi. Squeaky, squeaky halloumi. So I'm going to chuck my halloumi into a pan. I'm going to dry it off. And then I'm going to oil it a little bit. What I do, Ben, when I'm cooking in nonstick pans... I'm a maniac with nonstick pans. I always oil. So if I'm doing a piece of sea bass, I will oil the the fish skin side down. And then I will put that into a dry nonstick pan. The same with a chicken breast. I'll use the breast of chicken with skin on. I'll oil the chicken and cook it the vast majority of time skin side down. With my halloumi, I'll dry the halloumi, oil it a little bit and chuck it into a a non-stick pan that's nearly ready to smoke, but keep it moving. I then want a really nice sweet chilli sauce and some hummus. And I'm going to put a bit of, because it's all a bit sloppy, that, isn't it? You've got the squeakiness of the looming. You've got the, you can imagine the hummus slopping its way down your front, can't you, with the sweet chilli. So I'm going to put some nice crispy leaves. But again, what's essential is great bread. So hummus halloumi ice and hot sweet jelly sauce and if you don't get it down your front you've not had a great sandwich what is your favorite i've no idea i've <laughs> attempted to be a baker and i've got no idea i'm sure you've worked out that butchers bakers chefs and candlestick makers are all very different exactly and uh i've learned over the years to let butchers even though butchers give everything a different name to chefs and they show me a piece of meat, and I'll say, what on earth are you going to do with that? Well, we're going to grill it. And I'm thinking, wow, I'd probably put that in a slow cooker for 24 hours. But my point is, you learn to look for bakers to understand what the best bread is. But I like a white, even though um, my wife tells me that I need to be on brown bread, unfortunately. So my last sandwich, um, toasted, hot bacon with orange marmalade nice. in the style of Paddington Bear, right? I had this on the menu in 1992, many, many years before most people were born. So this is great wedges of um, toasted bread with butter on them. And then I'm going to then uh, attack it with some nice thick orange marmalade and some smoked crispy bacon. Very, very simple, really wonderful flavours. Um, you can't beat a bacon sandwich, if that makes sense. But with the orange marmalade, that is spectacular. It's not about the presentation. It's not about 
bizarre ingredients. It's about getting the taste right. If it looks horrific, but it tastes fantastic, then that's a winner. Exactly. I, I think when I'm cooking a bacon sandwich, I always try and add a little extra to it just to try something else new and all these different things. Because it's you want one with a bacon sandwich, you do one little thing different and it can just completely change it. Now it's crazy. Do you then get a bit of bread and wipe it round the pan? You know what I do with the bit ba- with the um, juices. I've started doing recently. What uh, if I don't have time? If basically, I grab some mayonnaise out of the fridge and I'll actually yes. mix the the juices with the mayonnaise. Yes. Sometimes right. with ketchup, and then I spread that on the on the bread. That's one thing I've started doing recently. So you get all the bacon juices. So if you think about good old Yorkshire pudding, which is the same thing as a pancake mix, isn't it? Yeah. And you think about making a Yorkshire pudding with oil, God forbid, it's about that whole juices from roasting, okay, from roasting that sticky river beef. It's that caramelised marmite flavours that, that really get into your dripping that set off the Yorkshire pudding. What you're saying to me is it's those same style flavours from your bacon that get into that mayonnaise you just described with your ketchup. Yeah, it's exactly. about flavour. It's all about you, know. you don't want to waste anything as well. You've got something there. All the pan drippings and the juices, they're always the best bits. Never get rid of those. Yes. Well said. Well said. Right. Go. So your next question. I'm going to ask you your cheat lunch meal. So it doesn't have to be chefy. It can just be something that's kind of you're in a rush. You've got five minutes. What would you grab out your cupboards or your fridge? Right. So I'm going to use some thinly sliced Gruyere cheese. Again, this mustn't be cold. Okay, let's not get hung up about health and safety. I want Gruyere cheese that's at room temperature, and I want a good orange marmalade. I'm sorry to use my orange marmalade again, but I want a very that whole nuttiness of the cheese with the sharp sweetness of the marmalade is absolutely fantastic, and make sure it's toasted. Um, or I suppose that's kind of some kind of version of a plowman's, isn't it? You know. You also begin to think, see, I start off with taste. I then work backwards to it looking all right. Exactly. For about 30, years, I used, about 30 years, I used to fanny around with how it looked and the, all that kind of stuff. I've never been one for blobs and blips and soils and foams and all that stuff. I've been more rustic. But to me, get the taste right. I mean, whoever said you eat with your eyes? What a stupid thing to say. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. not... Um, you know, it's about get the taste right, and then then it kind of works. But that classic combination of Gruyere cheese, orange marmalade, the Plowmans, you know, the Branston pickle, that whole thing, you cannot beat, can you? You can't beat it. Yeah, I put Branston pickle on a lot of things, pretty much. Anything with ham, I'll always put Branston pickle with it. It's just a, it's one of my well, absolute loves. I... Many years, well, it wasn't that many years ago, I worked in conjunction with a very, very famous um, chef um, who was actually a Yorkshireman. And uh, we did a fast food concept. And when we used to make our cottage pie or shepherd's pie, when no one was looking, we'd hammer it with some Branston pickle and a bit of Worcester and HP. And you'd bring to life the most boring cottage pie by sticking some branston pickle in it it's it's a very good product indeed very good exactly we've actually come so, to the end unfortunately okay we've got if you've got anything else you want to say in the next two or three minutes but otherwise uh right okay so scrambled egg, fantastic do not put milk in it please 
I want lots of butter and I want it really wobbly. That's fantastic for a cheap lunch. Or a really simple uh, chicken stock with some, some lovely kind of Japanese-style vegetables in it. Bring it, sit it. It's all about flavour. That's what it's about. Make a mess, but at least enjoy it. You could have summed that up more perfectly. Thank you. No problem. Right. Thank you very much for uh, talking to me. And I'm uh, next up, Thank I'm going to talk to your brother. Who? Yes, of course, him. <laughs> He's the intelligent one. Oh, I'll, I'll let him know that. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Right. See you later. Hello there, my name is Matthew Benson-Smith and I'm a, a chef director of um, the Chef Benson-Smith Academy in Brickhouse. Um, I've had a, a, very, a varied career, which I've been really, really um, lucky to, almost, it's, it's almost a story from start to beginning, from beginning to, to, beginning to end. Um, and I've been lucky to have spent time in Paris, um, very, very high standards of, of, of food there, um, central London, five-star hotels, um, and then been able to, to um, spend some time working with my own brother, um, opening a hotel, which was a castle, um, and then product development for companies like uh, Marks and Spencers. Um, and then gone on to do my own uh, training academy where we, we specialise in chef training privately and through apprenticeships for the government. Um, so exciting times, really. Yeah, exactly. Thanks for, uh, for coming on the show. A pleasure. I was just speaking to your brother. He told me to tell you that uh, you're the intelligent one. That's what he told me on the at the end of the podcast. Yeah, I sometimes say I'm the better looking one, but um, <laughs> and also if I really want to obsess him, I call him my father. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, I'll uh, I'll get cracking and straight into it. I just want to ask you about any kind of French or British inspired salads that that are kind of your go to dishes for lunchtime, uh, and you just want to crack on. Mention any great little tips and tricks yeah. that you like to do. Yeah, I mean, the, I think one of the um, classics, really, for me, it is going back to one of the classics, and often we look at chefs cooking, you know, we've got these modern twists on things, but um, a lot of things do go back to those classics, and I think it's something like a nichoise, um, and that can be really refined. Um, we've got the classics, you know, green beans and anchovies, uh, boiled egg, uh, tomatoes, um, all, all sort of, you know, tumbled together, um, and that can be served with any, any type of fish, um, again, traditionally we might use something like a, a, peared, a seared piece of tuna, which has just been sort of flash fried, so it's nice and pink in the side still. Um, but it can be refined, and um, things can be cut down smaller. We can um, sun dry the tomatoes that go into that dish. Um, I've, I've seen one uh, restaurant where they um, even put sort of a crunch into that by uh, doing a save me savory meringue in there, in, in sort of shards that went into the, the nichoise, which made a real crunch to the dish. There's also things we can do. I think when we're, we're looking at cooking at, uh, in the restaurant world, um, it doesn't always have to be complicated. And I think also when you're cooking at home, there's some quite easy, uh, snappy sort of things that you can do. Um, another sort of classic thing really is, is, a, is a Caesar salad, not uh, traditionally a French uh, salad, um, but something where you can have that Caesar dressing that you've made up simply on a blender, Parmesan cheese, olive oil, garlic, capers, um, all blitz together um, and you've got a lovely sharp um, dressing that can then just tumble through salad leaves which you can then add other things to candied walnuts for example a bit of sweetness a bit of, of texture in there um, the dressing can be kept in the fridge and you can you know use it over, over, over a few days I mean the difference between like a the bought you know the shop bought 
um, Caesar's dressing than the homemade is just miles better when you make it homemade. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. The, the ingredient I didn't mention there in your Caesar dressing is, is some capers and that brings that sharpness. So, yeah, it is, it is crazy, but it's it's so fresh and sharp tasting. But we say with the savoury notes of, you get that umami from the sort of parmesan that you put in there. Um, and a little, bit, a little bit of anchovy, not very much, and it might put people off, but that just brings a little bit of saltiness to it. But yeah, like I say, totally different to what you'd have in a, in a shop. And when, when you put that together yourself, um, it's, it's sort of like, wow, one salad leaf through that, taste it, it's, it's there. And you can add things to that, like we said. Yeah, it's, it's the classic like emulsions that, that are just miles better than you know the shop-bought mayonnaise, all these kind of salad dressings that you do yourself. It just elevates the salad. Definitely, and it's something the way you don't, um, it doesn't actually need a lot of effort. It's really a question of having that right recipe, the right proportions of bringing it together. I mean, one thing we, we look at with, with dressings is we'll often do, um, you know, I think the important thing with a dressing is we're going to experiment is to have a good uh, tasting olive oil. It can be an extra virgin one, but you have to be very careful because often they can become uh, quite quite bitter bitter in flavour if, 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 if they're too strong. But 50-50 you know, that with a, with a raspberry vinegar for example um really really simple and you've got a lovely dressing straight away add a little bit of raspberry puree to that or some crushed raspberries again a bit more of a kick to it but some of these dressings like you're saying ben uh, are great when you when you can do them simply um but things like crab um we don't often use crab but if you can get some crabs from your some crab meat from your uh, fish man um you can just pick through it make sure no bits of shell in there roast off some butternut squash maybe chuck a few pumpkin seeds in there um I like to make a little bit of a curry oil with, with um, spices and, and oil. Um, fire my spice off the pan with, with onions, oil in there, and then pass that off. We've got a lovely curry oil. Just balance that with a bit of lime juice. Um, great with your crab salad. Um, but I can go on and on and on. I've got all sorts of favourites. I'm a blue cheese fan. Dolce Latte is one of my favourites. <laughs> and that's nice and diced up with um, roast chicken and some shredded tarragon leaves. Um, again, not too complicated. Um, there's things like capaccio of salmon. You might think, oh, my... Capaccio salmon, we can't do that. We can, because as long as the salmon's lovely and fresh and you, you know, it works a nice hygiene standard, you can roll that up, freeze it, um, and then you can you can carefully carve some shards of salmon off that. Nice dressing, tamarind um, and lime, lime. There's so many ingredients available to us, um, available to us at home as well from the shops. There's so many things we can get. It's endless, endless. I mean, salads, people are so restricted in Britain. I think that very nervous it's just like a classic kind of mixed salad and there's just so many different options all over the world everyone has their own kind of interpretation of cold salads or warm salads yeah no i took some um, cabbage of the week um dutch no white cabbage shredded it finely and thought i'm gonna do some sauerkraut with this up it was sat in the fridge and i thought this is not going to keep otherwise so shredded it really really finely tumbled that with some sea salt um and some caraway seeds and then we pressed that for five days or so in a, in a bowl with another bowl of cling film on top. I kept some sort of refreshing the cling film on top to make sure it kept nice and clean, room temperature. Um, ended up with a, a lovely sauerkraut then. Quite a little bit salty, um, but lovely with, you know, on, on a, a small amount on the side of a salad with some with some ham. Pickle cucumbers. Um, you can you know, use your own gherkins you can get, or you can pickle your own. Um pickle vegetables but again not rocket science but uh, combinations that go really well together yeah what i do quite a lot is um you know when you get the by the pickles from the shop yeah the little cornichons when i run out of 
uh, cornichons, I've still got the pickling vinegar. I tend to like chuck other things in it. So I'll chuck some cucumber in there or anything else I've got in the fridge. I'll just keep it. Well, I'll just keep using it because there's no point throwing it away. Definitely. And the, thing, thing, the other thing as well is um, I, I can't resist chucking a chilli in there sometimes, um, especially if you've got a nice big jar of pickles because that one chilli um, obviously going to infuse through there. It doesn't necessarily overheat eat it, but gives it a nice little bit of a kick, a background note. It's a little bit different. Uh, yeah. If you've got, I've got friends that um, play for uh, and train with a rugby team. Well, I, I put some chilies into some burgers once, and I've never seen twenty men stand there almost crying and think they wanted to, to, to kill me. Um, but I'd love to, to test my pickled uh, pickled onions that are chilied on them. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but there's also I tell you what, we're, we're looking at sandwiches as well, and um, one thing that I thought, let's what what different types of sandwiches? And then I thought. The typical restaurant twist, um, like um, ricotta, almond and chocolate sandwich. I think, what, what happens there? But, you know, I don't know. If, when, when I was younger, mum used to buy those big blocks of um, ice cream, like a rectangular slab, and then cut it and put it between two wafers. But when you look at, you know, you can make a, a nice ricotta and almond ice cream yourself with some chocolate going through it. Um, make a nice, uh, almost like a Swiss roll sponge, maybe a little bit thicker, so it's a bit more like a biscuit. Um, but then layer that into a sandwich, quite a nice dessert, but also something nice you could pick up if you wanted to. But again, a little bit of a twist on there. And very interesting. I've never heard of that before. That's quite a nice idea. Yeah, just, just to bring us bring, bring, bring into this sort of sweet category, one thing that um, I have I have nightmares about now when I've worked in London at uh, Brown's Hotel, five star in the middle of Mayfair. Um, club sandwiches used to fly out the door and I think it's one stage where um, from one kitchen we send all the food for the restaurant which had three way rosettes we had uh, 11 banqueting rooms all happening at once and it was one December when everything was absolutely manic and we're having club sandwich after club sandwich and we're talking about whole chicken breast you know, battered out and straight onto the char grill um, we had the bread was cut uh, laterally, long loaves cut laterally so had three large slices of, uh, of bread um, bacon under the grill, boiled eggs, um, obviously salad in there, mayonnaise, sliced tomatoes, the whole lot. Yeah, it's similar to the clock tower. Oh, they're similar to what you're doing in the clock tower, yeah. But it's um, everything in that one. It's like a meal in one. I did that many that um, I thought, no, one day I'm going to go back and sit in there, sit in a lounge and order one of those, sit back. And I did once and uh, sat back in there and I felt so good sitting on the, on the other end of it about 10 years later. <laughs> Still going. All right, with the same sandwich. It's a classic, oh, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. it lasts for years, that. Classic. I mean, you go somewhere the Dorchester, you ask for a club sandwich, you'll get one. You know, any any of the five star hotels in London, you'll you'll get one. Um, but it's a, it's a classic. Um, I like things like brie and grapes. You, know, you can't beat it, but whack that into a sandwich. As long as it's a nice brie that's just sort of oozing because it's the right temperature and it's the right maturity. It's not like a brie de mo. Um, great side of sandwich. You, you can't go wrong with that. Um, but yeah, some pastrami. I, I made some pastrami a few weeks ago. Um, put the marinade together. Yeah, quite a few bits and pieces going to the marinade, and um, but then bagged it up and put it in the fridge for five days. The the the, um, the, the beef, and then took it out, and then slowly roasted it. Um, but beautiful. Kept the pinkness in there. Cause had a little bit of salt pizza which you put in there to keep the keep keep the sort of colour in the meat. Um, roasted tomatoes, a bit of wasabi squirted onto it. Lovely sandwich. A bit of work exactly. into that, but obviously at home, if you can buy a nice pastrami, or you can go to a deli where you can get one, um, not a problem. Great, great things to make to take to work with you. Yeah, it's like a Reuben. That's one of my favourites. Yes. Reuben. Yeah. 
Um, good bread there. That's the that's the tip. Is you want some really nice sourdough? Oh yeah, not nice bread there. And it's um, I mean, what it's like looking at you know loads of different types of breads out there. Sourdough has been this sort of um, trend for the past few years, and it's like I always look at it. What's next? What's the bread going to be next? Is it going to be like a quite a, something different, like a pumpernickel? Um, it's something a bit heavier like that. Um, we, you know, which direction is it going to go in? There's only so much sourdough you can eat, isn't there? Um, but um, but it, no, you can't knock sourdough. It's beautiful, lovely aerated. It's it's much more natural by by the way that it's um, that sort of ferments made in the first place more naturally with the um, bacteria from the air. Um, but yeah, some lovely get a lovely bread. You can't you can't go wrong, can you? I was going to ask, how would you level up a toasty? How would kind I... of yeah, what would you put with it in a toasty that you think you could level it up? Um, what do you mean? Like uh, any kind of jabs or chutneys or what your favourite chutney would be to add with just some simple cheeses, anything like that. Oh yeah, I mean if it was a little toasting, you're going to sort of balance. I, I mean things like chili, chili jam. Um, again, I'm, I'm a bit of a chili freak. I used to, um, I've been to different places in the world for the, which what used to be the World Curry Festival, and found myself in Malaysia cooking curries out there. Um, and you know. We, we did things like, you know, think, looking at things like the, the ghost chilli, you know, the really super hot ones. But it, not when it's about the heat, it's about the flavour you can get from those chillies. We learned to um, always cook chillies with the seeds in there because there's flavour in the seeds, whereas the first thing people often do is cook chilli and house scrape the seeds out. But if you're worried about the heat from the seeds, just put a bit less in there, but there's flavour in there. And I think when you start to appreciate the flavour of, of, from chillies, um, you can then make a lovely, lovely chilli jam. Um to me, that's great in a toasty. So you've got that, um, you know, the, 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 depending on the flavour of the cheese, a nice vintage cheddar or something like that in there. Um, but you can't also can't you can't beat a bit of um, uh, Worcester sauce, can you? Or, no, definitely not. Or what's the one that comes from Sheffield called? Henderson. <laughs> oh yeah. To be fair, I'm a I'm I'm a bit of a cheater. I'm from Yorkshire, but I use uh, Liam Perrins. Right. Yeah. I mean, but Henderson's is great as well, isn't it? But I think Liam Perrins is quite foolproof, and you often see, you know, all sorts of celeb chefs that are plugging it in, as someone like Jamie Oliver would say, um, getting flavours into things. But it, it is there, and it's great, great to use. But if you look at the back of it, it's quite interesting. The quantity of ingredients go into something like that. Uh, oh, no, it's yeah. all part of that balance, isn't it? I watched a video on it, how they make it. It's, it's crazy. It's a completely secret recipe, but yeah. it's just every single thing on earth is in that in that mix. It's like fish. Every vegetable, spices, it's crazy. I think it shocks people when we had them, obviously, quite a few years ago now. Um, we've had allergens highlighted, uh, and obviously I'll affect you, Ben, in the kitchen, but um, it's uh, one of those things where we started looking at the ingredients decks on um, different products, and when you look to what's the sauce, you suddenly, wow, there's fish in there. Um, but you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? When we look at various recipes, like we mentioned, the, um, the Caesar dressing, for example, that fish brings some certain saltiness. I mean, look at Thai cooking. As you've done with some dishes before, Ben. Um, yeah. Thai fish sauce. It's great to bring that salty savoury note into things. Um, so it's not so surprising when you, from a chef's perspective, when you start to balance ingredients out. But nice fresh herbs, things like salsa verde, where you can put your nice sort of parsley and chives and basil leaves and just sort of pound them down together, a little bit of olive oil in there. But nice fresh produce. We're lucky with that in Yorkshire, I think. Um, but we're lucky that generally um, the the things we can get. But I think people are starting to steer more towards what we can you know, get locally and what we can get we can grow at home. Um, 
it's not impossible to grow lettuce inside a plant pot, is it? Or some carrots. It's just looking at what we can do. Yeah, it's just about, I mean, especially now when people have got a bit more time on their hands, you start growing some things at home. You know, I think we've uh, we've come to the end, unfortunately. Right, no problem. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. All right, anytime. See you later. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To listen again, Google That Chef Ben slash The Harrogate Food Show. You can also listen on Harrogate Community Radio, Harrogate Hospital Radio, and Spotify.